keeping your home exercise program short and simple. That's what we're talking about today on The Working Therapist. Welcome to The Working Therapist, a podcast designed to help you grow in your therapy practice. The Working Therapist is an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. Now here are your hosts, Hayden Bolick and Kirsty Miles. Hey, I hope you're doing well today. We are excited about talking to you about home programs and carryover from therapy into the home. It's such a critical part of what we do. Curious, do you feel the same way I do about this and how crucial this part of it is? And I know we've done several podcasts where we've highlighted a lot of stuff about home programs, but today we're really focusing on on the home program carryover, strategies to use for carryover, what has worked, what doesn't work, what currently works. We've tried a bunch of different things. So today we're really talking through those strategies and what does work to really help your clients carry over what you're doing with them in therapy into the home or to the classroom. Maybe we do so many podcasts on them because we think it's super important. We talk about it a lot. <laughs> I, talk, I talk about it all the time. In fact, I think um, every time I work with a therapist, I'm saying, hey, so what you writing on that HEP pad? Because we have HEP pads here in the office that we use. And I said, what, what you writing on the HEP pad? And I spend a lot of time working on the HEP pad and carry home over things just because it is so important. So, Kiersey, to launch into this, let's first talk about some key components of the home program. So, as you're thinking about your therapy session and, okay, what makes a good home program? Let's start there first. So with pediatrics, the most important thing we do is practice and repeat and repetition and over, over and, and over. over. And over. <laughs> <laughs> so um, the only way to do that, they only come in for therapy one day a week or two times a week, depending on the discipline and depending on the need, but still they're here for a therapeutic purpose. Mm -hmm. So we need to go and practice and we need to practice correctly. That's where all the rewiring of the brain happens. And if we're going to make change, then we have to make it become a part of the everyday. So the most important thing we can do is making sure that it's done daily. It's not about coming into the therapy clinic. And, you know, I always say a parent isn't going to drop them off here at therapy. We're going to fix them up and send them back. <laughs> That's not really how this works. Um, so we're really here to provide what they need to do every day at home. And really, if it can, a good home program is something that can be done easily throughout the day. So our job is to incorporate it into many aspects of the everyday life, not, oh, I have this extra homework to do. And you have to give them something that you know they're going to be successful with. So something they're doing in therapy, but something you've seen them do in therapy, they can do it, they need to work on it, but to carry it over. So you don't want to introduce like a new idea that you've never seen them do in therapy into and have them doing it at home because that's just practice. Home carryover is practice. We're practicing more of what we did in therapy. So I always want to start with something, not that they can already do because then it wouldn't be a goal, but something that we're working on, but I know they'll be successful with. So for example, if I'm working on jaw strengthening and I know when I did my jaw assessment, I saw the them start to break down when they got to count number 12 on the right side, for example. So I'm not going to have them do 20. I'm going to have them do 10 every day. So for a jaw assessment, for chewing exercises on the right and left, I'm going to have them do 10 chews on the right and 10 chews on the left because I know they can get 10 correct on the right and left because in therapy, they broke down at 12. So that's what I'm talking about. You know, you want to give them something they can do, but something that's still going to be challenging. So a physical therapy example, if a child's goal is to work on jumping and clearing right. both feet, 
and they're not successful at it. We're not going to give them a jumping goal to do. As a therapist, we're going to break it down to something that they can successfully do. So maybe it's squatting down to the floor because maybe the issue is they have weakness in the quad muscle and they can't get the force production to come up off the floor. So rather than give them jumping, which they're going to get frustrated with because obviously they're coming to you because they can't do it. <laughs> so now if we have them, okay, mom, every time, you know, they go to get dressed in the morning, you have them squat down to pick up their clothes and then bring it up and raise up onto their toes. They're not jumping, but they got to bring it up. So you've broken down the task into something simple, but you've embedded it in everyday life. So that's what we're talking about. So could a problem with jumping be the fact that you're more than 50 and it just doesn't work anymore? Because <laughs> I swear, I think I need to do that. But who's going to hold my clothes up in the air so I can reach up on my toes to get my clothes? <laughs> Nobody. <laughs> but, anyway, but okay, whatever. That's why I work with little people. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> the old people have got too much junk. <laughs> too much too much baggage that's crazy okay so for the home program let me get back on track all right the home program one we want something that we know they can be done they can do in therapy they can be successful with it so it's practice at the home and something that can be done multiple times a day and working in the regular context of their life mm -hmm. so not like okay well, let's sit down and do your speech homework or your pt homework or your ot homework this can be done in conjunction with the world. Can't you already hear like the kids going, yeah, Ugh. I know, right? Ugh. Mom, I've no. already got to do my spelling homework. I don't want to do that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you just, something that can be done in the context of normal everyday life, because that's what we're working on anyway, to get them functional and normal everyday life stuff. Because just like in therapy, we want it to still be fun and engaging and something that's not more to do. The last component that I have for a good exercise home program is also something that the therapist can keep up with. Because if you're giving them brand new and different things every single week, it's so hard for you as a therapist to keep up with it. You know, it should build so that you can. And if can, you do that for every child on caseload, you can't keep it all straight. How do you remember I mean, that? Bless your heart. No wonder you're so tired. <laughs> you're so busy, you know? So you've got to be able to just build unless you're like, okay, that's a different way. I don't want to go that way in therapy. Then you're changing the goals. It always has to sort of tie in and so that you don't have to keep track of but so many things. Well, and that leads us into this common mistakes. Yes. Um, so, yeah. and I think it's important to go there before we move back into ideas to make your home program better. But some common mistakes are that we give too much. And so if it becomes so overwhelming that none of it gets done. Right. Yeah. You yeah. know, um, there are some mothers out there to say this to you. There are some mothers that I really try to speak, be more like, and I'm just not, who've got all their mess together, ducks in a row. I am not one of those mothers. And so I need for somebody to keep it simple and that is not too complicated because I just cannot keep track of too much stuff like that. It's just crazy. There are people out there who can do it and I aspire to be like them. I'm not one of those. Well, and, yeah. and when you're saying that too, um, I've heard therapists out in the waiting room talking to the parent after the session about what you did in the therapy session. And it's like, well, you know, it would be good to try this, or maybe you could try this, or maybe something along this. That is not specific and it's not clear. What exactly do you want me to do? It's not like a bunch of nice ideas are good to have. And some parents work really well with variety and, and a bunch of different ideas. But if you want to assure that your patient is going to do that one particular thing and come back next week, having done it, keep it simple, 
give it one specific thing and make it very, very clear. So this is not a brainstorming situation. A homework exercise no. program is not a brainstorming situation. You it already is, did that back in therapy. Right. It by is, yourself. <laughs> it is very directive, meaning you are giving that patient's family direction. I want you to do this. For example, yeah. I've worked with enough speech therapists here at PDT. And when you're trying to get a little one to initiate, um, this was one of my favorite things. And I did it with my kids. Uh, when you, you know, walk in their bedroom, either after nap or first thing in the morning, and they're not at the word stage yet. They're like, they're just learning words. And you go to the crib and you reach over and they're ready to get out of bed. And you're like, you reach to them and you're like, up, up and you're looking for their hands to come up and you wait and you wait and you hear them go ah uh, uh-huh and you're ah uh, there you said it that's it <laughs> that could be the home program that that one thing every time you go to get them out of the crib think about how many times you do that to an infant during the course of the day morning nap maybe one to two naps nighttime feeding you got a couple of times in there yeah you got a lot of times during the day to get that yeah you're right and so. you didn't make it so complicated that the parent is not going to be able to do that. So it's not too much stuff. If it's in the regular life, that example does. It's clear. I want you to do this and the specific times of the day. It's not overwhelming because you can start to see people's eyes glaze over when you've got hit with too much things. You know, you can start when to they're see already like sleep deprived and right. you know got three kids at home. Who knows what else is going on? Sometimes husbands deployed, working. You know, some something else is going on in the family. It's just they're like one more thing. One, I can't take one more thing. Yep. And also, you don't want it to be so complicated with like tons and tons of extra equipment. So, for example, with Allcom, sometimes with uh, when we're working on an Allcom device and speech with kids, or a lot of times we'll start with pecs, you know, pictures first before we go to the electronic thing, just a sort of stepping stone. If we think we're going to go to a electronic device, we might start with simple pecs. So I always will use the pecs that we have in therapy. I'll give those to the family at home but I don't give them like 30 pecs 30 pictures because that's way too much stuff and I can't keep track of 30 pictures in speech you know what I'm not going to give them 30 pictures but just to give them like a picture of a drink and a thing of food they can put on the refrigerator and then the child can make a choice you know just something really simple to the point direct so what that allows me to do is get the data back to see okay what worked and what didn't work so I know how to move forward but you don't want to overwhelm them with equipment either I don't know if that happens for PT you know for OT for example I know if you want them to work on cutting skills and stuff like that you know just simple pair of Fisker scissors that you get at Walmart you know, you know rather than complicated scissors or complicated stuff just simple little scissors and then cut things that are already in the house newspaper magazines, just simple things like that. Yeah, and I think you always have to, which we're going to get to this in a little bit too uh, as part of this discussion, but don't assume a parent has all the same equipment that you no. have in this clinic. We're mm -mm. a specialty practice. You know, not everybody's got a giant therapy ball. Some people do. <laughs> right. Um, not everybody has a trampoline just because they have a three-year-old. Right. You yep. know, so we can't make assumptions that they have all of this stuff at home and start prescribing stuff as a home program to be like, yeah, you know what? Just jump on the trampoline five times every day. And that parent's going, well, I don't even have one of those at home. Right. And then Do I have to go buy one? And they might not want to tell you that. 
Right. Yeah, yeah. So I think it's really important to ask about what they have too. So those are some of the common mistakes that, mm-hmm. you know, the, and they're easy to fall into that without thinking. But what we're doing and what we're talking about here is you're really thinking from the parent's perspective, you know, from the parent's perspective, what do they have and what's easy? Let's make it as easy as possible on them. One of the things that we do all day long, you know, one of the things that you do is as a speech therapist, as an occupational therapist, as a physical therapist, is you ask, how can I help you to those clients and that family, though everybody that walks in the door every single day day and to make the home program simple and easy is basically asking how can I help you because you're thinking about them and their needs and and that kind of stuff first and you're asking you know how can I help you and by by making it not complicated by making it so you're not overwhelming them with too much stuff by making sure that you're not giving them too much crazy equipment stuff to do and that you're not just giving them too much stuff that doesn't fit into the regular life and because we talked a little bit about how we handle when they come back after you've given them a home program. If they haven't done it, don't assume the problem is theirs. Right. You should first look at yourself to be like, did I give them too much? Did I keep it simple? Did I overwhelm them? So it first should be a self-reflection piece before we say, oh, they just, they're not doing it. They're just not doing their home program. Right. They're not bought in. They don't really want therapy. No, you have to say, how can I help you? How can I help Mm -hmm. you? Which is think about, okay, what did I give you? You didn't do it. So let's think about how can I help you again so that you can do it, Mm -hmm. which is looking at your plan first. Yep. Yeah. I think one important piece too is a lot of times we have parents bring their child in and when they're really little, they'll come back and they'll join the therapy session, you know, because they don't want to send their one-year-old, two-year-old back by themselves. But children get a little bit older, parents choose sometimes to sit in the waiting room and the therapist will then go out and explain to them after the session what they did in the session. Mm -hmm. You miss a lot of why are we doing what we're doing when you're in the moment and you're back there and you're showing the child what to do and the child is now doing it. You have an opportunity to now to explain to the parent, hey, this is what this is targeting and this is why we're doing it. So then when you circle back to give the home program at the end, the parent has a better understanding of Oh, that makes sense. Now I understand the bigger picture of why they're giving me this to work on because I saw the big picture of what they were working on in the session and this little piece that's missing. And I understand how this little piece fits into the whole. Mm-hmm. So for the parent that chooses to wait in the waiting room, have you explained to them why it's important to be back there in the session? And I think that that's also a critical piece of not only the therapy, but providing the home program. Because why do you do something if you don't understand what the bigger purpose is or what it means? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, you wouldn't. So I think it's really, really critical to have the parent, even if they don't attend every single session, to maybe every other, or maybe come in at the tail end so that they can see what you're working on and really understand how that home program fits into what you're doing. Because your therapy session should look with intention and purpose, and there should be a plan for the therapy session. And at the end of your plan is wrapping it all up to, okay, I want you to focus on this part. Well, and if you think about the home program, part of also the key component of that is who are you involving in the child's continuum of care to help the child to get better? Well, the parent or the caregiver is a key player in that. So if they're discluded 
you know, from it. And it's not that you're purposely discluding them, but if they're never a part of the session, if they could be, you know, then it's hard to, for you to continuously get more information, to keep that buy-in, to keep them engaged. So it just may not be as effective, right? What you're doing with this home program is making it so the child gets better so you can discharge. We heard it this week though from a therapist. Do you remember she, she was saying that she had trouble talking to a family? Like that was an area of growth for her. She got intimidated by talking to parents. She was a newer therapist. I can understand it because, you know, it, it's a hard thing to do, right? And so she was intimidated. And so what she started doing was for all the parents, invited them to come back so that she just, and she talked throughout the session and that kind of, what it did, it evolved into her being able to give the parents good directions, but she just kept all the parents back there. She did that herself. I mean, she, you know, she'd sort of like, this is an area of growth for me. It's what I need to do. So she just invited them back. And then it just, the talking to the parents got to be part of a regular therapy session. And, and then what that allows you to do is it allows you to keep the home program simple because you've mm -hmm. explained the greater understanding. So then as a therapist, you can pull out the little tiny piece because the parent has the whole why and you can pinpoint in the therapy session. So we're really struggling with this. We're going to take this little piece out. That's what you're going to go work on for the next week. You're going to come back to me I'm going to tweak it and we'll advance from there mm -hmm. so really if you look at outpatient therapy they're coming back to us just for the little tweak it's really what the parent's going to go home and do that little bit every time they come back to us for the next advancement for the next thing yeah you're driving the train they get on board but then they got to do all the work at home but as functional as possible mm -hmm. so we're not talking about tons of heavy lifting at home but just daily regular targeting progress things. Yep. yep. And yep. and I'm in no way saying that this is easy to do because you have to have the experience as a clinician to be able to break it down like that to identify what is the most important part so you can keep it simple for the parent and then give them that one or two things tops mm -hmm. to work on. And this is especially challenging when you're in the schools. So if you're in the schools or you're seeing a child in a daycare center or whatever and you can't ever see the parent or whatever, then your connection to the parent is that teacher. So then understanding, okay, what's happening in the classroom? Because you can do the same thing, like understand you don't even have to do therapy in the classroom, but just ask them some questions, maybe get into the, which I know probably the person working in the schools is listening to me going, what? You're crazy when I'm getting ready to say what I'm getting ready to say, where you maybe get to the classroom a few minutes early. And I know the speech therapist out there, what? I've got a caseload of 60. There's zero chance I'm getting to that classroom early. I know I've been there, done that. I got gotcha, you. I'm with you. But there is probably nooks and crannies in your day, maybe, if you think about your day over the context of the whole month, not just each individual day. There may be some nooks and crannies where you can go and talk to that teacher and say, okay, hey, what are these kindergartners working on for the next month? You can get a lot in a short conversation. You know, even if you're both walking out of the car at the same time to, to leave for the day, there's a lot of things you can fit into like little nooks and crannies of your day to sort of talk to that teacher to make it functional there. For the physical therapist and PE, you can get a lot of information. Well, and what you're saying too is embedding in tasks that they're already doing. Don't create something new. No, I mean, the, these work. classroom teachers have a class of 20, 25, how many kids? So you can't go in and recreate the wheel for them. They already have a structure to their class, but if you, occupational therapy, if there's some ADL type stuff, hand washing type stuff, yep. can you tweak just one thing at hand washing time? Can you change just one thing? You know, PT, they've got to work on stairs negotiation or surface changes. Could you put something down in front of the bathroom door that they have to step over? Yeah. That is not like crazy nope, that's a great time. Idea. Mm -hmm. That is just something that's simple. Now, everybody does it in the classroom. The teacher doesn't even have to think about it, but now we just embed it into the classroom goal. So you got to think of how can we make this 
not be so much of a thing for them. And it's really just a matter of looking in the classroom type of situations, the school environment, and just paying attention. Mm -hmm. It's really just little, little, little things and just paying attention overall, which again, caseload of 60, the speech therapist out there, it's easier said than done. I mean, we both get that. And I, I mean, I totally get it, but it doesn't have to happen all in one day. Look at the whole big school year, the whole week, all that stuff. Same yeah. thing that we're talking about doing with yep. families in the home, it embedding is. into their everyday life. Right. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of The Working Therapist, an extension of the Pediatric Developmental Therapy Network. For more information or to contact us, visit us online at www.pediatricdt.com. That's pediatricdt.com.